0: My guest today, Steve Bain. Uh, he, he's a talented individual from, from multiple fields. Uh, he's doing a lot of work in the podcast space behind the scenes, making it happen uh, for for numerous individuals. Uh, but he's also here today to talk project management, program management, somebody who transitioned from the military without a PMP into a program management and then eventually into a project management role. Uh, he's, he's here today to share his is insight on, on the certification and education process, on, on how to land jobs, and, and ultimately how to assess and look at yourself uh, being an ops manager and a project manager while you're in the military and what that really means post-military. So here comes, Steve Bain. Light up, light up, lay up. Hi ho, locked and Hey, Steve, how are you? Hey,
1: Ryan, how are you doing?
0: I'm um, I'm doing all right. Hey, thanks for taking time out your busy schedule to to come on the show as a guest uh, to be a to be a mentor to me to help transitioning uh, service members and veterans alike. Uh, through sharing some of your knowledge and experience and your stories and I know today we're going to talk kind of program management, project management uh, in conjunction with your transition but uh, you know first and foremost thanks for for taking the time to join me today and I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah man thanks for the invite really humbled and flattered Uh, thank you for your service and we'll see if we can help some people out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so start off by, by kind of just walking us through your background, military, uh, up to where you're at today.
1: Sure. So um, I'm an 07 grad, was a history major, went right into the Army, uh, commissioned from ROTC, went to flight school. Um, while I was in flight school, I married my stick buddy's sister. For all you aviators out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, first assignment was Korea, went over to Korea as a Chinook pilot some time in a maintenance unit, then went into the flight company as the XO. came back to Fort Rucker, got some more training up to Alaska, had an ATC company command, and then the flight company command while we were overseas in Afghanistan. Finished my career off back at Fort Rucker as a small group leader in the aviation captain's career course. So I got out in the summer of 2016 out of Fort Rucker, was able to kind of leverage my professional network and land a job as a program manager for a company making avionics boxes, in Huntsville, Alabama, um, stayed there for roughly 18 months, and now I'm a government contractor. I actually work inside the Army's cargo helicopter office as a government contractor.
0: Yeah, so you, so you that's kind of like the the natural progression approach, right? To to using the skills and the network, to your point, uh, that you know that that you had developed within the military. So, can you talk a little bit about your I guess how this timeline unfolded from when you decided to get out and and then how if any if anything changed as far as starting to leverage your network a little bit more uh, and and starting to kind of look at what your interests were and why you wanted to I guess go towards program and project management
1: sure Um, so I knew I wanted to continue to serve in some capacity but I wanted to do it on my own terms uh, and that was kind of a driving point for my wife and I to consider getting out we 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 effectively scratched our army itch. we We had met our professional goals and 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 how we defined success. and that was a successful company command. and about uh, halfway through our deployment in Afghanistan, uh, we had our first son, so you know I missed the birth and and that was pretty profound on us. You know we don't blame the army for that, but uh, I kind of want to be more present for the rest of my life with my family. So that was a big motivator to get out. Uh, So we knew, you know, probably in 2014, early 2015 timeframe, that we wanted to separate. Then it was just a matter of where do we go and what do we do? Like I said, I still knew I wanted to serve in some capacity and continue to give back, but I didn't know exactly what that looked like. So I actually went through Lucas Group and – I attended one of their hiring fairs, and I went to the interview process. You know, I interviewed with 10 different people in one day, and it was was a really, really good experience. It really helped me see myself, and I was invited on site for an interview. I went and interviewed at a margarine manufacturing plant for the midnight shift. So I would be supervising people literally making butter, and there is a reserve unit right next to where this plant is just outside of Kansas City. So I walked out of the interview. And I looked up and there's a Chinook doing, you know, some low approaches. And I just had this moment where I said, I can't go from everything that it means to serve and fly and, you know, be in the army to literally making butter. And that's nothing against the company that offered me that position. They're all great Americans, but I, you know, it just didn't have the same ump or the same meaning for me. Um, so, um, the Lucas process was great in helping me see myself. And I realized I still wanted to serve and give back in some capacity, uh, to the military, just, just not in uniform anymore. So really kind of serendipitous story. When I got back from Afghanistan in 2014, folks from PM cargo came up to Alaska where I was stationed. We do an after action review, you know, how did the aircraft handle or any pros or cons. Um, and that was ran by an 06 and, you know, his team of army civilians. And I stayed in touch with them. I would regularly email them, check in, see how it's going. You know, just, Professional networking, right? And, and and not many people reach out randomly to that 06 who they meet on a whim, but I highly recommend it. And long story short, six months later, there's a supplier conference, and it's called Team Chinook. And all the people that make components on the aircraft come, and it's a three day event where you hear folks from industry talk, you hear folks from foreign countries that use the aircraft talk, and, and I ended up being the keynote speaker. So I basically got up and I told war stories of how the aircraft performed, both in Alaska. In the Arctic conditions, but as well as our recent deployment to Afghanistan. And I left that event with a stack of business cards. And the man who would become my future boss at my first company was sitting in the audience and heard all that speech. So once I left that Team Chinook event, you know, I had a stack of business cards and I would send resumes out to folks and say, hey, can you review this? Does this look too militaristic? What do you think about this? Am I adequately translating my skill set? And, and it was really informal, but. Um, you know, I was able to continue to build relationships that way. And uh, that company basically opened up a rec just for me. They kept it open the mandatory 14 days per the HR law at the time. And then, you know, I applied and they closed it and I was hired on as the only guy on their staff. So it it was extremely serendipitous how it all worked out.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm going to highlight a few things uh, there, Steve, that, that I, I drive home and to the point with, with multiple people and please chime in if I'm, if I'm off base a little bit here, but uh, you know the first thing I wanted to highlight was that networking while in service and and in your case it it, it it was I wouldn't say easy but it was easier right like the opportunity was there and I always use the example as like you know, go find your BFT rapper or you know one of the your L3 Harris rappers or something you know there's so many contractors running around uh, so, so use that just to, to learn from them to leverage them to Network, you know, befriend them uh, and get close to them so you can learn because you you never know when that time is going to come. And and it's always nice that, to, to begin that networking. So that that's something that's like free of charge, right? You, you could do that regardless if you think you're getting out of the military or not. And you could do it at any facet to learn your interest, right? You can do it. You can do it with the... Uh, You know, you like food, you can do it with the local, you know, restaurant manager, or the small business owner, if you think you're going to be an entrepreneur. I mean, there's nothing that stops you from doing any of that.
1: Right, right. And, you know, if if you want to go into the aerospace or into the DOD contracting space, then you should attend AUSA or Quad A or find whatever that your branch does or what your service does for those industry events. If, you know, if if you want to move into startup realm, then you should look up your local Bunker Labs chapter. There's. You know, there's so much you can do now while you're in uniform that I didn't do. I didn't know about the resources that I wish I would have done to help me iterate and do those mental hula hoops to figure out, you know, what do I really want to do when I get out? Like, what will be in alignment with what my family needs and wants? So, yeah, like, to your point, you can always start that stuff now. LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, But, I mean, there's no harm in reaching out to someone, asking to have a chat, have a cup of coffee. Can I pick your brain? Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Uh, you know, it's completely free and the worst thing to say is no and that's where you are right
0: now. Yeah, absolutely. And you said it, while, while in uniform and that's what I'm trying to do. So for the listeners out there who are transitioning um, and, and I know I get a lot of leaders, you know, se- senior NCOs and kind of captains and majors and stuff, you know, afford this to the people within the li- within your lines who, who maybe aren't getting out. Like, get, give them... The opportunity it's going to be easier over a period of time to allow them to, to take a few minutes here and there to have a conversation with somebody than it is to have to cut them loose, uh, you know, for four or six months be, uh, as the army or the military in general starts to go towards this uh, this kind of new military transition, you know, a tap uh, approach, you know, so many people applying for skills bridge programs and and so on and so forth. So afford them the opportunity to. to network and, and, and push that down and, and implement that and, and, you know, drive it home, like, Hey, take the time to, to be a civilian uh, now and again, so to speak. So um, yeah, key point there. And then also wanted to hit on, uh, you know, that the, the Lucas group or or those, you know, headhunter firms, so to speak. And it's a great point. I mean, you, you, every, you know, networking has its place in, in, headhunter firms or placement firms have their place. I mean, I'm, I'm a good friend with Dan McCall. Uh, he's, he's been on this podcast and he's come out and said it too. I'm a consultant. Uh, I try to find the right fit for, for the right people. And you know, they have their place and they're, they have their metrics and they're trying to do their thing, but don't rule them out or don't jump all you know feet first in with them and say, they're going to line me up with the next great job because it's, at the end of the day, it goes back to what you said, your interest. What are my interests? And I, I keep going back to uh, the, the blog post that I sent you backwards planning, right? Like we're taught it in the military, actions on the objective, work your way back. Well, it, what are you got to figure out yourself before you just start, you know, falling in line in the go path and moving forward. So, and, and you realized you wanted to continue to serve. So that that drove you to the project and program management house. And that drove you through that whole networking piece. So I th- I think that's those are great lessons learned.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned Dan. He was also my handler you know, with Lucas Group, and, and I found him to be incredibly transparent. Yeah, I know he has a goal, goal to meet for his company, but but he couldn't argue with my logic or reasoning, and he was supportive. So what more could you ask for? You know, I got, I got a lot of interview practice. They, they helped me see myself, and I've got nothing but good things to say about their process.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day you, you were out here plugging them, right? If we if it was a bad, you know, if it was a bad experience, we we wouldn't be saying negative things, but we wouldn't be we wouldn't be out here plugging, you know, hey, check out Lucas Group. So it's it's you know, it's it's a smart smart thing to do uh, for everybody to win, you know. Yeah, yeah, I just
1: wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket from my own perspective. I mean I had my own, you know, efforts going, which I you know, I eventually ended my job that way also at opportunities with Amazon and some other folks as well, but um, just to make sure you're casting a wide net.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, to your point, I mean, and giving yourself some of that, that breadth and depth, so to speak that time uh, to, to do that uh, because, you know, I, I was, I guess, sort of time wise crunch, but, but ultimately landing here with my current organization. I mean, it took me two years to kind of crack that nutshell, uh, to get into where I was going so I, I had an interim job in between there and it was through a headhunter and for me it didn't work out and I figured it out in the first about two months and that's why I'm pro some of these uh, internships or fellowships and skills bridge program because it gives you the opportunity to learn about yourself but uh, you know even then sometimes it becomes a little late if you find out you know you're interning with with you know a hotel company and you decide uh, well hospitality is not my thing and now I'm getting out in three months Where do I go next? So, um, you know, like you said, give yourself that that time, that breadth and depth and cast that that wide net so you can go ahead and, uh, you know, kind of cover all bases. As you from the skies, Continues to grow. I'd like to take the opportunity in just a few seconds to to ask everybody to go on Apple podcast rate review, uh, so I can increase listenership uh, and get the information out there a little bit more to veterans and military transitioners. I also ask you to leave me a voicemail on www.anchor.fm. Uh, if, if you want to get feedback or have information you would like to incorporate it into the podcast, have questions, topics you want to cover next, or you can go on uh, and you can uh, go to the contact page and leave me feedback there. Uh, this is all about making the foxhole better. and This is all about getting information down to the lowest levels possible as early as possible. Uh, so people can start their military transition before they leave the service, start doing the things now, the backwards planning, the networking. Now, it's leaving the foxhole better for the next person. So I I want to, you know, I I know we have an outline here, but uh, you and I both like to freelance. So, you know, one thing you said, and, and it comes up with a lot of, folks like ourselves is continue to serve so uh, before we get into the project management uh, I know you're you're doing some work with uh, with rich Cardona you're doing some work with beyond the uniform and that that's probably a continued service for yourself can so can, can you explain you know what you're doing to, you know to help veterans out and kind of some of those other opportunities outside of just work to continue to serve and continue to uh, support uh, you know transitioning service members and veterans alike Sure. Thanks for the opportunity to speak on that. Um, yeah, so I help on three podcasts. One is Beyond the
1: Uniform, which is veteran and mill spouse and mill transition podcasts where we interview successfully transitioned vets in all walks of life to just hear their stories and lessons learned, uh, really try to pay it forward to the next generation and if you learn through our mistakes you know, or, or our successes.
0: Another one is
1: The Leadership Locker, which is hosted by Rich Cardona, Rich is a vet, but he interviews non-vets, so we can kind of expand our mind a little bit and maybe hear perspectives that we would never really listen to because those folks aren't inherently in our tribe. The third podcast I support is called the Glue Confidence Podcast. Um, it's a podcast for folks who have type 1 diabetes, and we share their stories. I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have diabetes, but a guy on Beyond the Uniform was a Navy pilot. He got diagnosed at age 26 with diabetes, and he was chaptered out of the Navy. So uh, I just find what he's doing now pretty inspiring as he's now trying to give back to the diabetes community uh, and help provide a resource. So, you know, those are the three podcasts that I help support. Uh, They're all kind of focused in the veteran arena, you know, in one way, shape, or form. But my overarching theme, I guess, you know, for this piece would be uh, if, if you even have any interest in something, then volunteer your time. You know, I shot Justin a note as a fan of the show years ago and said, I would like to get involved. How can I help you? And that started me down on this path where now I'm helping multiple podcasts. And, and, you know, as you earn trust and as you learn more, you're going to get more put on your plate. So it's been really fun for me to reach out to some incredible people and schedule and conduct some of these awesome interviews. I mean, you know, I kind of pinch myself sometimes, like, why am I emailing coach K? Like, why am I emailing Admiral Mullen? You know, I've got no business talking to these guys, but you realize they're just normal people like you and I. They've all transitioned. They've all been there. So it's been really rewarding for me to continue to give back in that way. And then it's been awesome to connect with listeners. I'm sure you've had this too, Ryan. But when you really make a connection with a listener and you build a friendship, someone needs your help and, and maybe you have the network or the resources to be able to step back and see if I connect person A with person B, they're off and running. It's awesome to make those connections and step back and just kind of watch success happen. It's, it's,
0: you know, it's just been pretty fun. Yeah, and, and first of all, for those, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably know the other podcasts, but if not, they'll be in the show notes uh, for you, for your reference to, to check them out. So absolutely, please do so. Um, but, you know, to your point, I, it, it, it's, it's a, I'm a big fan of karma, right? So uh, the if one thing I've taken away, uh, one of many things, I guess, from the military is we've been a lot of places and traveled the world and I've gotten to see different cultures and uh, I'm kind of a mesh of everything and in karma is one thing that I truly believe of you know so if if you're just doing right doing good things and, and helping people out uh, it it's gonna it's gonna come back in the long run you know so whether that's just simply through networking uh, or it's building a friendship for somebody who ends up being there uh, for you when when times get hard you know for for whatever the case is. So uh, you, you just never know where it's gonna lead. Um, so absolutely, you know, take the time to help people out, jump on it, and uh, that's why the veteran community is mostly pretty tight. Uh, you know, we know what, what we've been through and what each other has done, and we're willing to, you know, to some, some more than others, but to stick our neck out there and help each other out.
1: Yeah, it's been great to still have that tribe, even though I didn't serve with these people, but, you know, they're like-minded the same values we just have a common goal of helping each other so so it's been really cool to continue to make those friendships and see these podcasts grow and hopefully help people
0: yeah in in even podcasts aside right so nothing I can pretty confidently say nothing is gonna be like serving in the military no job you have uh, some more so than others I mean we make military engine parts right now so it was more so than my previous job selling. Gas and Snickers, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, I was like, okay, now now I need some more. So I got involved with the Hiring Our Heroes program out of Fort Campbell, developed a training and development curriculum, got it on board, and connected, uh, you know, with GE. And then I said I needed more. And that's kind of just where the podcast started from. Uh, how, how else can I go out there? How else can I help? What else can I do that, you know, at this point doesn't cost me a dime and I can I can provide value and feedback to people? So there's other opportunities than just the work you do. And that's what I want to sh- emphasize with this for somebody like yourself you're doing that direct line work um, but it's still probably not the same as deploying and flying and then you're finding other opportunities on the side to to fill that mission so to speak
1: right yeah i mean i'm able to scratch my itch to serve and give back but it comes without all you know the baggage of a check ride (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so
0: well let's let's uh, transition into you know program and project management so so clearly networking was a big piece uh, and and you set yourself up for success uh, in companies do value skill uh, but they also value culture out there and it sounded like the organization loved you so much um, that they that they wanted to set up this position for you and And a lot of that had to do with your personal branding. You got to go out and be a keynote speaker um, and really put yourself out there. So so how did uh, would you consider yourself lucky or how did you go about and start tackling becoming a a program project manager when you started, you know, kind of day one on the job, so to speak? Was it similar to to what you do in the military program project related um, being in the defense industry or was it was does it have some differences to it? Right. Well, I think that winners make their own
1: luck, and, and I would carve out time every day while still in service to network, shoot emails, check on LinkedIn, have phone calls. So, so I was continually tending the, you know the crop of people that I had made connections with. Um, the transition into project management in the civilian world, and, and so many people that are getting out say, I'm an operations manager, I'm a program manager, I'm a project manager. Okay, it's, it's really important to understand the differences between what a project is and what a program is. So, I mean, a project is a temporary endeavor with a unique product, service, or result. A program is a group of related projects or sub-programs. So just because you were a company commander or because you were a squad leader or you were a platoon sergeant, you know, you, you probably ran projects, but you probably didn't run large-scale programs. So you just need to be careful about Translating your experience in the military to what it is that you're applying for—it's you just have to understand the messaging that you're sending, and the, your branding and your qualifications and how they stack up against that requisition. So, you—I know, think a lot of people are overconfident. Hey, I've managed 19 helicopters and $640 million and 90 soldiers. I can do anything. Well, do you understand profit and loss? Do you understand contracts? You know, uh, depending on the industry that you go into, do you understand electronics manufacturing? I mean, I knew nothing about any of that stuff. Uh, So so I really think you need to be careful about calling yourself a project or program manager as you transition. I think you should more so hammer down on the skills that have made you successful in the military, your attitude, your integrity, your ability to build and lead teams, servant leadership mindset. That kind of stuff is what really sets you apart. The big challenge is, can you get to the interview table? If, if we can get to the interview table, generally we win, and then once you get into an, into
0: an organization,
1: then it's just carving out your opportunity, just taking on any and every task, saying, yep, I got that, I'm going to crush that, and just continuing to earn trust and increasing your scope of responsibility. I'm not sure if I answered your question there,
0: Ryan. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you did there, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dive a little bit deeper into it. Um, but what, I'm gonna touch on a few things here. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so I interviewed uh, Bill Kiefer, and he said, as somebody who spent 28, I think so, years on the HR side of the house, he said, there's skill, and chances are, coming out of the military, you're not gonna hit those skills. You're not gonna have profit and loss. You're not gonna have contracts. Uh, you know, maybe you are if you're in acquisitions, maybe you are if you're a comptroller, you happen to be a comptroller in a brigade or something like that, but chances are you're not going to have 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 Or when it comes to the skill requirements. So it, it it gets down to that culture piece, and that's where it ties into, A, your ability to network over time, the, the fact that somebody like yourself reached out or had that opportunity to be a keynote speaker and was able to put their brand out so people identified with you a little bit more and then uh brought you to the table uh, for you to share and highlight your skills um, where you see fit and that helps fit in That helps you fit into the culture side of the house um, so so absolutely that in of itself does does answer a part of it but what skills did you carry over? Cause, cause you didn't have a PMP when you first transitioned into a project management role. And, and some people might say that's crazy, but what skills did transition? Did the, did those, you know, cross country air assaults plus or minus 30 seconds in the mountain Afghanistan time on target, you know, time management, all that kind of jazz stuff translate to what you do or what you did in your first role and what, what didn't, uh, and what, and I guess what didn't, and obviously you're going to answer with with carve out, uh, you know, your opportunities, build trust, and increase your scope. You go ahead and learn and bridge that gap on the skills you didn't. But what what skills did translate?
1: Right. So I think the attention to detail, um, the horsepower, you know, the ability to get a lot done in a short amount of time, the humility to be able to ask a question of someone. Yeah, you may be their boss, but. If you don't know how to do it, if you can ask the question and say, hey, show me. I want to learn. And then you actually learn and retain it. Um, You know, just those intangibles that helped you in the military be able to connect with people. You know, when they talk to you, you actually listen. You remember that their son went for their blue belt in karate last night, and you ask him if they passed the test or, or if they leave early for a doctor's appointment. Hey, how'd it go? Just that little interpersonal touch and the little piece of EQ that you need to just know and understand and connect with people. And when you couple that with, I know that I don't know what I'm doing, but I need your help to teach me. And if you're humble enough to step aside and let the expert show you how to do it, that only builds you more trust and respect with the people that see that you actually care and that you want to learn and get better. So those are kind of the intangibles that carried over. The things that were completely foreign and new. I already mentioned, you know, with the profit and loss, like having to understand margins and how the company makes makes money and risks risks that they take, risks that they don't take, how they identify risks, the types of contracts and and what that all means. You know, whether it's firm fixed price or, you know, uh, there's there's just so many different kinds of contracts that you need to learn, uh, and then again, depending on your industry, uh, if you get into kind of a niche industry, I mean, we were making avionics boxes on helicopters. On my pre-flight checks, I checked and made sure that, you know, the box looked free from wear and tear and it was connected. But I couldn't tell you anything about the nine circuit boards inside of it. So, so yes, I understood helicopters. Yes, I understood the avionics system. But I couldn't tell you the first thing about how to manufacture that box. So, uh, you know, it was all discovery learning. And it just really all ties back to attitude. Do you have the attitude and the aptitude to show people that I care, I want to learn, and I'm here to to serve and help make you and the
0: company better? Yeah, and so so one thing you've said a few times so far since we have began this is listening, right? So um, and that that interpersonal piece of it, and it's one thing you know with today's social media, a lot of people talk, and and then they it's almost like a counter rebuttal of of what to say uh because they don't necessarily agree with somebody and uh I, you know I, I can't stress enough you know to, to listen truly listen to understand uh and and hear what somebody has to say and then like you said listen to learn uh and be humble and not every organization's going to uh you know go, okay, this, this individual has five out of 10 skills, but they're a great cultural fit and they're really humble. And I think they're going to learn, we're going to take them. Like, you know, it's a risk for them. Like the, the salary is, is probably the thing for most companies that that is, you know, their, their highest, uh, I guess, uh, debt within an organization. So, he realize that it's a calculated decision on their end. And just if you do get those no's or you don't get those replies to the resumes or the callbacks or whatever, like just, again, use that humbleness you learned in the military to say, Hey, I'm out here, like put myself out here and saying some of my weaknesses and how I plan on overcoming them. Use that humbleness to go, okay, well, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily the right fit or the right opportunity for me. And, um, you know, best of luck moving forward. Yeah, and I kind of want to speak to your comment about
1: not having the certifications that that one would expect to have as they start a role. I think it's really important as you start connecting with recruiters and hiring managers to make your goals very well known, very clear. So I was a history undergrad with some flight time and some leadership time. You know, That doesn't necessarily scream off the page. But when I come in with a very clear plan of, look, I'm going to get my PMP, I'm already in with IVMF at Syracuse University, I'm going to do my MBA at night, You know, uh, we're expecting our second kid at this point, but that's not going to stop me. You know, when you lay out that roadmap, I mean, it's impressive, and it shows how driven you are and how much you want to gain that professional capital, you know, and adds credibility. So um, I wouldn't shy away from applying for jobs if you don't have the certifications. But to your point, Ryan, there are so many jobs out there, especially in the project management world, where it says PNP required or PMP preferred. And, and, uh, that's, that sure fire something that, that I think everyone who wants to pursue this career field should get.
0: Yeah. So, so goals, right. It goes back to know, knowing yourself, what we kind of hit on in the, uh, at, you know, at the start of the show, what, what, you know, what do what is your, why, why what is your, why, like, what do you want to get out of this? So, um, and I got two, basically two things to say on that. So one thing is, when I interview people, uh, the two questions I really only care about um, are YGE and what are your goals? And, and at the end of the day, I don't care what your goal is. You know, I'll say short-term, long-term. I don't really care what your goals are because chances are your goals might change. Um, what I want to know is do you have a plan and can you articulate how you're going to develop that plan? And to me, that's what your work work is going to be. Oh, I have a I have a personal plan in life. Well, then I know this individual is going to tackle work the same way, as opposed to just kind of go through the day. And that goes all the way back to you know carving out that that opportunity, uh, building that trust, and increasing your scope that you mentioned earlier. And then on on the flip side of that, uh, sometimes you know there will, again there will be organizations that might not like like hey uh, here's my plan. I want to be, you know, in this position. And, and there's a fine line to walk because you don't want to. You don't want to necessarily tell them you're looking past the position. Uh, but some organizations only hire for that position, and they don't necessarily do org development as well. Um, so you don't want to. They might frown upon the fact that you say, well, I'm, I'm looking at doing this, and then within two to three years, here's my goal, and this is what I want to do, and I can adapt to this, but, but here's really what I want to do, and they might go, Ugh, this, this person's trying to move through the organization quick. I just want them to focus on the here and now, especially when you don't have all those skills. Somebody might look down upon that and go, well, they don't even have the skills for the job, uh, but they're already looking past it. So... There is a fine line um, and not org- not every organization's going to go into like that go-gettership I guess um, but but again you you humble yourself you move on you learn from experience and uh, you continue to add some of those skills like you said going to get a certification um, and specifically in this case the PMP so so kind of walk us through now um, you're in your project management role. You're kind of drinking from the fire hose and you decide to go uh, get a certification and go to get an MBA after that. Right. So
1: I had applied uh, through Syracuse for the IVMF. I got into the into the PMP cohort. Nothing against that program. Uh, it was all online training. It, mm-hmm. it all felt kind of like AT level one training, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's not really how I learned best. Uh, so I ultimately ended up, failing my first attempt at the PMP exam. I don't blame Syracuse. You know, I blame myself. I didn't study enough. I didn't take it seriously enough. I was also in the MBA program at the same time, which I also did through Syracuse. Uh, but it was it was really humbling that I don't know everything coming out of the military. You know, I, I, I thought I had enough practical real-world experience coupled with my study plan to be able to pass this exam, and it absolutely kicked my ass. Uh, so I think that was a really good Learning point for me: not to overestimate my abilities, to continue to stay humble, and then look for other ways where I can get trained and proficient. And we can talk it later. But um, you know, I recently passed the PMP back in December of 2019. You know, it took me that long to kind of recage myself. I went through a great boot camp with PM Pro Learn, and and just the way the material was presented, it just clicked for me in my learning style. And and you know, I passed the second time. So um, it's, it's just important not to. Let those setbacks knock you down, and then I made it very clear to you know my now employer, hey, this is a priority for me. This is this is one of my professional goals. They were extremely supportive. They let me host the boot camp there in their facility, and and you know it just really couldn't have worked out any better. But um, it's it's just really important that you identify what are those certifications that are kind of a must in your field. If you're going into HR, they've got their certain specs. If you want hotel management, you know there's certain specs. Know what's expected and then make that part of your career plan to go pursue those. Maybe the employer will pay for it. Maybe you'll find a veteran organization that will pay for it for you. Maybe They have to come out of pocket, but hey, that's okay. Uh, you know, you need that professional capital on your resume. It's only gonna help you potentially career pivot or job pivot in the future if that's something that you wish to do or it's gonna be able to help you rise in the organization.
0: Yeah. So, so that being said, you you add it to your resume. I guess first you added your MBA, then you added um, the, the PMP certification. But what have you pulled out since um, completing both of those education processes? Um, you know, what have you leaned back on those, and how have they helped you grow uh, skills, maybe skills-wise uh, within your within your current role? Right. The MBA definitely helped me.
1: A deeper understanding of business and it, it was my exposure to marketing. Um, again, history major. I didn't take a lot of business classes in my undergrad. Uh, I felt like I was leveling the playing field with my knowledge and understanding of the business world. Uh, so, so it was really great to be going through night classes and I come in the next day and the concept we're talking about is something I encountered like there at work. So, um, uh, There's an age-old debate, should you go get your MBA first before you start working, or should you work and maybe go to night school? You know, I had a family. I didn't want to go and be a resident on campus and accrue that debt, you know, for, like, the housing allowance and living there. So I found it really, really beneficial to be able to compare the academic principles and the real-world practice and kind of see where it meets in the middle. So the MBA was critical for understanding just, just the way business flows, like, you know, how does the balance sheet flow? Uh, These are some of the key tenets of marketing. As for the PMP, it was important to get that certification because it helps you understand the lexicon and the verbiage that is used throughout all industries to describe project management. Um, You know, there is a very specific vernacular that's used to describe certain terms. And uh, it's, it's really important to have that baseline to understand this is what the project management Institute defines as you know, cost or schedule or performance or you know the thousands of terms we have so it, it, it's it was so beneficial to be able to understand this is the framework this is the recommended framework on how to manage a project of, of this size of this scope and then to be able to apply that to what I'm doing on my day-to-day basis
0: yeah so yeah, uh, like you, uh, I I tried the PMP um, through Syracuse, and I I got to the practice test, and I think I got a fifty-two or something on it, and got surprised. I wasn't supposed to go to JRTC, I did, uh, and then I end up I end up running out of time because to your point, I did not take it seriously enough. Uh, I will say I learned a lot um, from it, I uh, and. You know, I, I, I used it basically when I built, uh, my, my hiring our heroes training and development, uh, curriculum here, uh, within our plant and GE, uh, aviation in Madisonville here. And, uh, I used a lot of the principles and I think you're spot on, uh, it, it, even without having my license, uh, I learned the verbiage, uh, that everybody else speaks. And I think there's a lot of parallels. Um, sure. You might not manage cost as in, um, material money uh, specifically within the military but you definitely manage time you manage resources Uh, You, you have to schedule specifically, you know, I'll speak from the aviation side, but, but it's for most people, you know, we had to do flight schedules and that was that was managing the right people, uh, the right balance of crew, the right uh, on the right aircraft based upon the mission and the number of hours they had to fly and the, and the maintenance that needed to be done. I mean, you do from those day to day operations, you do do a lot of that project management side of the house. But to your point from earlier, uh, you, you have to learn some of that verbiage uh, and how to articulate that better on the resume. And then you have to be able to uh, learn some of those where your gaps and where your weaknesses are through running a whole project. Uh, And then if you don't have the opportunity to do that within an organization that you have a PMP, you have a certification to fall back on. So my organization at my level, not big on what we call a project is more of a task, so to speak. Um, But again, like I said, I used a lot of the project management principles, and I did talk costs, like how much is this physically going to cost to bring this person on board, based on how I developed the program, because there was a travel piece and a networking piece and a and a you know kind of a sales piece from giving out and coffee cups and all the little stuff, you know, like all that had I guess I wouldn't say had to be accounted for, but I did account for it in order to sell this project uh, to the organization to the plant manager, so. Um, that there, there is plenty of value to, to doing it, getting it and, and moving forward on it, or at least learning about it, um, and what, and what it offers and what it brings to the table. Uh, and then on the NBA side of the house, I mean, I, I would say the same thing. I haven't, again, I haven't gone personally, I had to go out and do it. And I don't know if there is a right time or a wrong time, like you said. Uh, but again, I start doing on the job training. So what I've taken most out of my podcast, probably, Uh, is marketing is specifically social media marketing and learning SEO and learning uh, all the data and analytics side of the house on how and when to post and when to market and How much bang for your buck and all that kind of stuff. So um, Does it does it look as good on a resume? uh, As an MBA does no it doesn't but again, we circle all back to getting to the table and once you get to the table, if you can talk that piece and articulate like, Hey, this is what I've done for marketing. Oh yeah. It's on a side gig. Um, but here's what I've learned and here's how the value I would bring to your organization. Um, that, that starts getting you more towards those victories of getting accepted into a potential role, um, like a project manager.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, and just one last caveat for the PMP, you know, the, PMI, who's the governing body, uh, just released a survey, and, and as of this year, PMP holders earn 22% more than their non-certified peers. So that's not to say if you get your PMP certification you're going to get a 22% raise, but um, more often than not, the people that are gravitating towards the higher end of the spectrum in the pay band typically have their PMP. It, it, it's It's just seen as a hurdle, it's seen as a benchmark, that comes with an automatically assumed skill set and level of responsibility, maturity, and knowing how to run those really complex projects.
0: Yeah, so I want to circle back a little bit to the, the the resume, right, and what you had to say as far as be careful. I'm, I'm putting you know ops and program and project and yes there's the the knowing the definition side of the house of, of what a project and a program is again something you get from that PMP training uh, but how would you do you have any recommendations maybe on from from when you transition and how you put it on a resume to to now that you're on the you know, project and program management side of the house how would you articulate um, you know somebody out there putting what they do, spending a lot of time in operations, a lot of time in the three shop, uh, on on a resume, uh, and it can even be aviation related uh, since that's our that's our background. Uh, but but do you have any advice for for the listeners out there? Yeah, I
1: do. Um, when when you make your resume, a lot of people have a tendency to to roll the duty description into their accomplishments. So. Just because you were signed for $300 million of property doesn't mean that you did it correctly or or well. So uh, I've I've found it helpful that when you explain your duty description, that's kind of in its own two to three sentence blurb after your position, and then below that for your bullets, you're trying to hammer home as many metrics as you possibly can, things that someone who doesn't know anything about the military, someone who has no idea what a supply sergeant is, or Uh, you know, what a battalion safety officer is, Um, but they understand saving money. They understand increasing readiness. They understand promotions. They understand that stuff. So if you can think through your duty assignments and what you've done in terms of metrics, you know, ranked number one, everyone knows what that means, Uh, you know, saved this much money. Uh, You know, my equipment was this much percent above the Army standard for equipment readiness those things translate extremely well. Um, So so I've seen it be successful when you say this was what my job was, my responsibilities, you know, just because I was in charge of X people doesn't mean I did it well. Right. And then below your description, you have uh, as many like succinct quantifiable metrics bullets that, that show how well you did that job.
0: Yeah. And you know, the one thing I'll, I'll add to that is, you know, again, just from my experience in the in the three shop, just because, you know, you're, in my opinion, the army kind of does it backwards. I mean, it, operations is continuous operations. Uh, is there there's very little continuous operations? I feel we do in the army. Um, most everything is is project related. It's that that like you said, temporary endeavor which has an, a natural start and and stop point. But just because you served in the three shop and you whatever, coordinated 15 ranges for, you know, the companies to go out and execute doesn't mean that you are a project manager. So to your point, uh, don't, I would recommend don't title yourself project manager and then turn around and say, uh, you know, was responsible and charged for coordination of, you know, 15, so I can put a metric on there and make it sound better, uh, training events or training exercises. Get to the deep, deeper underlying, uh, I guess root, root cause, so to speak, of, of what you did, and uh, and that could be like you said, you reduced, uh, reduced cost. Like uh, somebody like me, uh, I if I ma- put a couple AMRs together, uh, so now instead of flying, you know nine flight hours we're turning around and flying five flight hours well guess what I just saved four flight hours which sounds good but you can articulate that into a cost too and you can do the same thing with readiness like you said so look to the deeper underlying uh, points behind uh, some of the the generic I guess duty or job description and then uh, be careful how you word that and And that to me goes industry to industry, right? So if it's if it's a defense contractor, then yes, you can probably put your project manager because you're going to do mostly the same stuff. But if you're trying to go into IT, what IT does for project management uh, is not necessarily going to be um you know, maybe the process is the same but but the those results aren't necessarily the same so so but you're you you know you know you want to get an IT well then don't put yourself as project manager find find a different bullet i mean i change. prime example for me is when my brigade assistant s3 time i basically put my i put on my resume that i was a, that i'm a uh sourcing or source sorcerer you know personnel because that's what I did I was I was the person who decided who got what mission and how to combine them and how to reduce uh, waste wasted flight hours and whether to say yes or no so I I was responsible for for the resources in the aviation brigade so you got to find ways that it articulates to the industry that you're moving into yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: And please don't cut and paste the bullets from your NCOER or OER. It's, it's just a red flag that
0: you haven't kind of done the work. Yeah, please. And and I will caveat with that, too, that uh, you should be keeping track of, you know, we all write our own. I doubt the Army's changed since, or the military's changed since I got out, so you're probably still writing your OER or your NCOER. Um, so, so take those bullets and save them if you're doing nothing else. In, in a word document and if you're more proactive even though you're not getting out start to work those bullets into into your a master resume so to speak um, and they can just be more worded bullets um, and it's going to take you time to find out how to articulate them um, especially if you don't know what industry you're going to but you'll have those bullets there and you can continue to play with them i mean i spent when i transitioned I spent too much time playing with resume bullets um, because I hadn't planned far enough out. So that, that's my recommendation there.
1: I agree. Absolutely.
0: So, uh, you know, now I want to kind of give it uh, open mic time to you, Steve, Uh, you know, give you the opportunity to talk about whatever you want to talk about um, specifically, uh, within your industry, within project management, or, or just the military transition, or some of the side gigs you have as a whole.
1: Great. Uh, first and foremost, Ryan, thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, I know we're kind of in the same space in terms of podcasting, but uh, we see you as collaborative and not competitive, and, and we're just here to try to pay it forward and make it easier for the people that come behind us. You don't know what you don't know, so whether you listen to my podcast or Orion podcast. It doesn't matter, right? As long as you're seeking those resources out, then it's good on you. Um, You know, I don't really need to talk much more about project or program management. I just kind of want to hammer home that uh, you should be confident in in what you've done, but don't let it define you. Uh, You don't want to be the guy that gets out or the girl that gets out who, when they walk in the room, the first thing you know about them is they were in the Army and this was their job it's an important chapter of your life it has shaped you it has defined you but but those days are over don't don't let who you were define who you are now and and it's important to let a lot of what you did go because frankly nobody cares what you did unless you're meeting up with people from a reunion from your unit so uh it, you know it sounds harsh and it sounds cutthroat but um, folks that haven't done it just don't get it so don't be the person that's off-putting as you continue to beat him over the head with, this is what I did. You should respect it. This is what I did. Please don't do that. head. Um, the last thing I'll say is, you know, very, very passionate about trying to help veterans through the transition process and beyond. If there's ever anything I can do to help you, please email me, Steve at beyond Happy to help in any way I can, whether it's a resume review, connecting you to somebody. Uh, if you have questions, uh, you know, whatever I can do to help you I would be more than happy to
0: yeah and I appreciate that Steve uh, that information will definitely be in the show notes uh, for everybody and and yeah absolutely I'm I'm full on board and I appreciate the the mentorship and the opportunity and you taking the time uh, to help pay it forward because because ultimately you know that's that's what I want to do um, you know there, there's plenty of time in the day and the travel and the week to listen to the, you know, at this point, I think there's you know three, four, maybe five podcasts out there. I mean, that's an hour a day. Um, we each have our different way of looking at it. Uh, some, uh, some of you might like one better than the other. You might be able to listen to all of them and take something uh, from, from each and every one of them. And your approach is going to be different. And to me, that's, that's the great thing, right? So it's, you look at the transition and you go, well, the army has told me or the military has told me what to do next and where I'm going next basically my entire career well now it's it's scary right there there might not be uh oh who's telling me what to do next to be you know the, the brigade commander or be the battalion commander or whatever the case is but there's also several paths to get there um, it's, it's kind of whatever you want to make of it so once you get over that like gulp and swallow, uh, you know, look forward to that opportunity and find ways to, to learn, learn about yourself, learn about others, learn about the opportunities that are out there and, and, and pay it forward and do the same. Um, and that's what, you know, I'd be happy if there was more podcasts out there talking about military transitions. And, uh, you know, I, I, plug herb thompson he's got a book out there you know and i plug his book all the time you know go read the book if you reading your thing over listening to podcasts and awesome go read the book instead of listening to the podcast you know so uh i'm all about it like you said the more the more people we can affect and specifically the earlier on in their career the better um and and i'm also i on board with you don't let it define you so no one you're spot on no one cares they care for the handshake and the service to the country but as far as the business side of the house uh, it doesn't matter um, and you, you're just you're just another person and there is just just another job uh, that needs to be filled and uh, it's that sense of entitlement that I see time and again well I hate to say it but it's a day of a- analytics and data analytics and you're the one percenter so you don't it's not the what is the company gonna do for me or or how come they're not taking the time to understand veterans um because it doesn't make sense uh, to to put their basket um even if you're and I do believe the veteran is above and beyond the the standard worker, so to speak, but it's still data wise doesn't make sense to go after those numbers. So it's on you to kind of learn, and that's why. And that's really the emphasis of my whole show is to try to help bridge that communication gap when it comes to uh, role titles like project management or it comes to organizations and what character they value. And, and hopefully it's it's helping folks out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And um, you just keep your chins up. It's going to be okay. You've got to keep iterating and you'll land on your feet, no doubt.
0: Well, it's been great, Steve. I appreciate you taking the time, uh, and thanks for sharing your insight on on the PMP and project management and program management and, and how to best move forward for those interested in pursuing roles as such.
1: That's right. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely.
0: Lay up. Lay up. Lay up. Hi-ho, lock and low. I'd give a big shout out to Steve for coming on, talking project management, talking beyond the uniform uh, and just sharing his military transition process as a whole. Hopefully uh, what he said about program and project management resonates with you guys as you build your resumes, as you apply to jobs, as you search for jobs. uh, And that gives you something to think about um, how you want to go about growing your career backwards planning on on ultimately what you want to do in your post-military career so again please share this uh, down to the individuals within the formations even if they're they're not thinking about getting out this is knowledge that they can go ahead and start to action on now slowly but surely over time is the best uh, so they can focus on themselves focus on actions on the objectives learn who they are and leave their foxhole better for the next person view from the skies ryan sweeney thank you very much